Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, This Thanksgiving is going to suck a bit. This is not some existential reality. Cancel your plans if you absolutely do not need to travel somewhere. Travel by car if you must travel. I don't like it to be any number. I like it to be keep it to your immediate household. Eat all of the mashed potatoes by yourself. That's what I'm going to do. Limit the number of people. Do it outside and wear your mask. If you go over to a friend's house, mask up the whole time you're not eating or drinking. If you're a college student, shelter in place for at least seven days once you arrive. Separation should be the norm. Avoiding direct contact, including handshakes and hugs. Speak softer because louder voices shouting, screaming, actually singing spreads the virus. You can't test your way out of or into safety here. How about no, Libs? Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, guys. Great to be here with you. I just want to tell you right now that the people that are saying all that stuff to you, how many of them, how many of those media figures do you think are really going to do that? Are going to quarantine if they have college age children, make, make them quarantine when they come back from school, are going to wear masks the whole time they're at Thanksgiving dinner with their family, except for the moments they're putting the food in. But they, they're going to mask up between bites. That's what they say. Unless you're eating or drinking, you got to sit. So sit there at the table with a mask on and then pull that mask down to shovel some turkey into your mouth. That's what they're telling you. This is crazy, right? We all know this. People aren't going to do it. So why are they saying it? That's what I want to ask. Why are they saying it? And maybe this is a a moment where we could do a, a, a bit of a reflection on what I often refer to as the original sin of the left of the Democrat Party, of socialists and collectivists, and that is hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is an area that they always run afoul of because so much of the collectivist mindset is based upon policies that the support of which gives you the benefit of being a good person, but you don't necessarily get touched by that policy. It's for what other people should do. You know, as a leftist, as a collectivist, what everyone else should be doing, but you yourself don't think that you should really do that. That doesn't sound worthwhile or fun or that's not a trade-off you're willing to make. And you see this with countless areas of Democrat policy debates and just the way that they, they go about trying to be the busybodies in all of our lives, the hall monitors, right? They'll tell you about how they want, and this is classic with Democrat politicians, they want to raise taxes, They themselves will pay. I mean, the people that are the biggest advocates of this raising taxes on the rich, they'll have an army of accountants making sure that they hide all of the funds they possibly can. Right. They'll do that. But they also want everyone else to pay more. And if that means that wages are depressed, if that means that hiring goes down for certain industries or companies, they don't really care because it makes them feel good to support it. Climate change. Perfect example of this. All the people you see who are the biggest advocates for climate change policy on a global scale, knowing that that's going to have terrible consequences, especially in the developing world, especially in countries where they are still very much in need of the glorious economic benefits of a fossil fuel based economy. Sorry if they have to slow things down, if they can't have 
air conditioning and refrigeration and access to the kind of food and the kind of medicine and and all these different products and things that rely on fossil fuels. If they can't really have that the way we do in the developed world, you know, we don't want the whole planet to overheat. So too bad. Oh, but then the collectivists come up with this other idea. They'll say that's why we need to have a global wealth redistribution program through climate change that everyone else is going to pay into. But trust me, John Kerry, who's now been tapped as the climate change czar for an, an allegedly incoming Biden administration, the transition is going on right now. They're moving forward with the transition, whether they get to the Oval Office or not remains to be seen. But you got John Kerry coming in. This is a guy who, when he was paying the absolute bare minimum tax rate on millions and millions of dollars of his wife's investment income, he also moved his yacht from Massachusetts to Rhode Island to pay less tax on it. And trust me when I say this guy flies private all the time, but he's going to be the climate change czar. That's right. He won't make the changes himself, but he does want to make them for you. And you see this. It keeps repeating. It keeps replaying itself because it's a mentality. It's about an approach to life. It's a way to get out of being held accountable to principle. It's about what you support publicly, not what you do privately. That's this is a mantra. This is a central concept for the left and for Democrats. And, and in, an, in an incoming Biden administration, you'll see this all over the place. And that then brings me back to Cuomo, uh, who is among the very worst governors, among the worst when it comes to uh, the delusions that he now peddles publicly about how he did a great job with leadership. He was showing everybody how it's done, how you're supposed to fight back the COVID virus as a leader. Well, he's been telling everybody that you can literally kill your relatives if you see them over Thanksgiving. So that's going to be on you if you see them. Stay home, quarantine. That's what he's telling everyone. And then it comes out that he was planning to have his 80-something-year-old mother and his two kids up to Albany to the governor's mansion for Thanksgiving. And initially they said, oh, but this is within the rules, within the limitations. And then they backed off even more because people were saying, well, if if your mother is in her 80s, are you really going to expose her to college age or, or close to college age children? Is that a wise idea, given his own standard that he set, that if you see your relatives over Thanksgiving, you may kill them with COVID? No, that, that was a tough one. So now they're changing, they're changing his, uh, his, his plans. Now, let me say, I don't care what the governor really does. I don't care who he spends his holidays with. And, and this is true of all these different Democrats across the country. I want them to be able to make whatever decisions about their Thanksgiving that they see fit. My problem is, yes, the hypocrisy in all of this. They make mandates and dictates. They have demands they put forward. uh, Demands that they continuously violate themselves. And then they ask us to ignore it. Or they say it's almost like they've managed to buy themselves with their good deed of making you do annoying things. You have to make the trade-off. You don't get to enjoy your Thanksgiving. Then they turn around and they say, well, at least in my public life, I'm making an important difference here. So if I fail personally, no big deal. No big deal. And he goes even further than that. In the case of the governor of New York, I mean, in, in California, they've got 
the ban on outdoor dining now for three weeks. Ban on outdoor dining. Can't go to restaurants anymore. And California is a state where there are a lot of places where you could actually comfortably eat outdoors, even without heat lamps or any of these other ways that places are trying to adapt to this new reality. In Oregon, as you know, Governor Kate Brown is telling people that they have to snitch on neighbors if they have too many people over for Thanksgiving. Call the cops, she says, putting law enforcement in a terrible and an unwinnable position. And, you know, beyond that, we see that there's now the CDC and the bureaucracies I mean, the tyranny of the bureaucrats being enforced on all of us with you guys should not do this. Don't do this. Do that. Wash your hands. Use a lot of hand sanitizer. That's really going to turn this thing around. This is nonsense. No one really believes any of this stuff, but they keep saying it. And they view any independent thinking and any desire to hold them accountable for their hypocrisy as a threat to their authority, to their power. So they react very poorly to it. Here is, for example, Governor Cuomo, who is uh, saying that law enforcement officers, well, you've had these cops, these sheriffs who have come forward, law enforcement in different places, and they've said that they're not going to enforce these COVID dictates. They're not going to ruin some family's Thanksgiving. Can you imagine? You're with your family. You have that really what feels like a sacred American tradition of gathering around the dinner table on Thanksgiving. And you're going to get a knock at the door from a cop who's going to say, how many of you are there in here? One of you has to leave. Do they really think that that's appropriate? Is this America or not? Well, here's how Cuomo responds to what's such an obvious an obvious conclusion that so many law enforcement officers have come to. Play clip one. You don't have the right to pick laws that you think you will enforce and you don't enforce laws that you don't agree with, right? That's not a law enforcement officer. Uh, That's a dictator. That's a dictator, he says. Psychiatrists would call this projection. That's what it is. This is him projecting out there onto somebody else what he must know at some subconscious level he is guilty of he's acting like a dictator he does not have the powers that he is using i don't care what the what the emergency order says nobody ever thought an emergency order could be used in this way but you see the system has seams in it the system has cracks that if you want to operate in a certain way if you want to remove a a degree of good faith from the process You can exploit it. And guess what? That's true of law enforcement officers as well. In fact, the Obama administration used an expanded version of prosecutorial discretion. They used prosecutorial discretion to pretend that the laws about illegal aliens did not count. And there were no laws about illegal aliens in this country that they weren't going to get deported. So in this case, you've got sheriffs and cops who are just telling people, look, we're, we're not planning to enforce this. There's nothing the governor can do except start firing cops, I guess, ever can try to do that. And good luck dealing with the law enforcement unions on that one, governor. Not going to happen. So what's he going to do? Oh, we've seen there's a limitation to his power. Oh, we've seen the real dictator, the hypocritical dictator Cuomo. All of a sudden has a lot less bite and it's just mostly bark because people are saying they're not going to go along with this. What's he going to do? going to fire all the cops, fire all the state troopers. How is he going to know who's enforcing this law and who's not? Now, sorry, too bad for him. Turns out there are some people who still think this is America and who can watch the actions of the elites and the ruling class 
and take away what the rest of us can see, too, which is that this is a, an exercise in a power grab that never should have been allowed, that they exploited the fear and the misery of Americans during, yes, a very dangerous diseases spread. Uh, and they did it so that they could be in charge in ways that you aren't allowed to question. But they want to make sure that they can still do whatever they want. And ultimately, that's the weakness in all of this. We see they don't really believe what they say. They don't take the actions they demand of you, which is a reminder of a few things. One, these are unreasonable demands. Two, they are exaggerated in terms of the threat and the way they're trying to get you to comply. And three, uh, it's time that we say no more. It's time that we hold the hypocrites to account, force their hand. What are they really going to do if one or two of us say we're not going to comply? Yeah, we get arrested. We get fined. We get in trouble. If everyone starts saying no on that issue, outdoor dining, we're just going to keep restaurants open in the city. We're going to have outdoor dining in California. We're just going to keep serving people. They can shut down all the restaurants. This is how we can fight back against the system. But it has to be an effort for many of us. It has to be something that we can all agree on. And I think we're getting closer to being there. And the hypocrisy of the elites is drawing us in together and uniting us in this quest to take back our freedom and darn it to enjoy some turkey as a family on Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. Please think about thinking about Thanksgiving differently this year because it has to be a different Thanksgiving. We can't have, you look at that current rate of increase. You're going to 6,000 cases in three weeks. You can't have an accelerant on that number. You really have to reduce that number. This is not a normal Thanksgiving. It's a better than normal Thanksgiving. It's a deeper Thanksgiving. It's a more meaningful Thanksgiving. Mariah loves me so much, she's not coming to celebrate Thanksgiving with me. That's how much she loves me. We have to get our head there. If you love your family, you won't see them on Thanksgiving. That's what he wants you to know. That's what he wants you to, to take away. Yeah. This is where we are. If you love if you love your family, you, you can't see them. This is what the elites are now telling you. I just want to know right now, do, do you want to play some bets? Do you want to take a guess as to how many of the people that have been some of the biggest advocates for lockdown? How many of them in this process are actually going to avoid being with family on Thanksgiving? Now, I know we won't always know, but I think that there'll probably be some photos and Things will circulate. We'll know because these people have security details. They have other people around them. Oh, and they have to be near them, right? They have to take that risk. Whether we're talking about the Pelosi's or the Newsom's or the Cuomo's, you know, they're, they're staff. They'll know what's going on. It'll leak. And I think you're going to have some of them that are telling you avoid family and they won't avoid family. But you're supposed to. This is the Democrat mindset. You know, they don't have to recycle necessarily. You have to recycle. They don't have to pay higher taxes. You have to pay higher taxes. It's a, it's a very toxic mentality, very toxic mindset with which to approach uh, day-to-day life. But 
that's what you have here. That's what you have. Oh, here's also Cuomo on vaccinations to justify. He wants at least six more months of dictator control. That's what he's led. At least six more months of it. Play 20. It is going to be months and months and months before you hit a critical mass on the vaccination. I will wager anyone who wants to wager. It will be at least six months before you hit critical mass. Now, what does critical mass mean? As I've told you, if within 30 days we have vaccinated millions of uh, senior citizens and and people who are at the highest risk from COVID-19, you're going to see the death rate from this, the daily death rate from where it is right now, drop off dramatically, maybe in half, you know, maybe more. Uh, and we'll we'll start getting down to numbers that we understand as as manageable in terms of cases and hospitalizations for a public health threat like this. So he's just playing games here by saying critical mass. Does he mean vaccination for everyone? We don't need everyone to get vaccinated. What do you get when you have enough people vaccinated? Oh, that's right. That dirty phrase we're not supposed to use, but is the basis for vaccination theory. Herd immunity. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Well, it's it's sort of like saying I have a constitutional right uh, to drive drunk. I have a constitutional right to not wear a seatbelt or to yell fire in a crowded movie theater uh, or to not follow the speed limit. Uh, It's you know, we're talking about a quarter of a million people dying already, you know, more than you know, the, the, the Korean War, the Gulf War, and the Vietnam War added together. Uh, which part don't you understand? You wear the mask. It's, there's no constitutional right to walk around without a mask. This is, we did it in, in, in uh, 1918. I don't know why we can't do it now. That's interesting because what he's really telling you is that they, the government has a right then to mandate making you do anything that it wants to. And does he have an argument? This is the governor of Maryland, Hogan, who's a moron. Does he have an argument for how there's a how's a, there's a uh, there's a legal authority to shut down houses of worship? We have a First Amendment, right? The free exercise of religion. It's not the free exercise of religion unless somebody might cough on you and you might get sick. Does he have an argument for this? Does he want to explain? No, as we know, they just don't want to deal with the fact that they're a bunch of moron tyrants who haven't been able to save people who don't know what to do. And so they just use and abuse their power even more. It's like driving drunk. Really? Hmm. How many people uh, drive drunk and create accidents for other people? It's a there's a there's a high percentage chance if you're driving under the influence. How many people walk around asymptomatic with covid and give it to somebody else versus the general population of just walking around? The the better the better analogy here would be no one's allowed to drive cars because 30,000 people a year die in car accidents. That's the real analogy. We don't need cars. Who says who says we need vehicles? Bicycles everywhere. That's what the libs suggest. Bicycles everywhere. Why are you why are you such a monster? 30,000 people a year die in vehicles. Can the government just mandate? Can I just outlaw all cars because it's dangerous? Well, it could. I guess it could try if it was insane. That's what we're seeing. So. That's that's a much more accurate analogy here. All right. That's a much more accurate analogy. But 
you know, they're not going to go with that, of course. It's, it's nothing like driving. Oh, and he says, says shouting fire in a crowded theater. They love to say this. This is a, an analogy that's often invoked by ignoramuses. They forget that this is a paraphrasing of Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes in Shank v. U.S. back in 1919, where they, they, uh, the, the Supreme Court ended up holding that it was, in fact, a violation of the Espionage Act to distribute flyers opposing the First World War. This guy was a socialist and an anti-war activist. So explicitly First Amendment protected speech was was not allowed, was was essentially struck down in 1919 as a wrong decision by the Supreme Court. This is a wrong decision, like like many other wrong decisions the Supreme Court has made uh, because they said he said it was a clear and present danger for him to be distributing this while we were at war to say that this war is a bad idea. We shouldn't be doing it. That's right. Anti-war activism. And the argument for shutting it down was it's like shouting fire in a crowded theater. So people who invoke this as a means of saying, I get to tell you what to do because it's like shouting fire in a crowded theater are idiots who don't actually know the very case that they're talking about, or they don't even realize it's a case. It's just a phrase they've heard other people say. Do you think that, do you think that Hogan knows that background? No, of course not. Well, Well, he's just a governor. Who expects them to know anything about U.S. history of the law? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, but this is this is where we are. And now they're putting everyone on TV, putting them into putting the uh, pu- the public into panic mode as much as possible. Here's a, a CNN medical expert. Yeah, yet another one. We got to put this. I'm just wondering, does CNN ever have people on TV with MDs? who don't tell the CNN brainwashed audience about how we're all going to die from covid because of Trump? Do they ever put anyone on TV who has a more nuanced view of liberty and mandates? No, of course not. Play 16. We've seen cases uh, continuing to grow since the middle of October. And uh, what I'm really worried about is what's happening in just a couple days now, which is Thanksgiving. And we know that this surge is largely driven by the changing weather and the changing behavioral patterns that come with changing weather, people going inside and sometimes spending more time uh, less physically distant without masks in uh, in settings like a, a home or, or or other spaces. And so uh, this is really concerning. And Thanksgiving, of course, is a place, this time when people come together uh, with families. So it's really, really critical. If you're concerned about the fact that hospitali- hospitalizations are up, that hospitals are full uh, in regions across this country, that maybe you consider uh, spending time apart this Thanksgiving so that you know that every person in your family can spend time together every Thanksgiving after this. Because, of course, 250 58,000 families uh, are thinking about a Thanksgiving with somebody uh, who will never be with them again at that table. And so we've got to do what we can to protect ourselves, our loved ones and our communities. Why not just tell everybody that they can't go anywhere? Why not just have a, a three month straight up? You can't leave your home. The government will distribute food and slide it under your door. I mean, I, I think we need to start asking these questions. Why not do that? There are lives at stake. It's only three months. It's only three months. Uh, By the way, Biden's team has said six to eight weeks. So this is I'm not that far off here. So why not just have a a stay at home order for three months in this country? Oh, because industries would come to a halt because there would be catastrophic uh, social consequences. There'd be a tremendous amount of health fallout from it. The economic catastrophe. It's not worth the cost. We as a society make decisions all the time that involve people dying. And we say, yes, we could save some degree of of lives if we outlawed or banned the following thing. But we understand that individuals should have liberty and freedom because that's a a basic part. Human autonomy 
is not something that we should just give up because the state thinks it has a better idea. This is why it's not about seatbelt wearing. It's about banning driving. Right? This is this is really where we need to go. That's where the argument and they'd say, oh, but that's so extreme. Oh, it's not extreme to tell people that they can't leave their homes or that they can't see their families on, on Thanksgiving. They can't operate their business. They can't go to a gym. They can't go to church. That's not extreme. This is crazy. And the people pushing this are part of some kind of lockdown cult at this point. Oh, we're saving so many lives. We've been doing all these things they've been saying, and we've gotten 250,000 250, people is the, is the death toll as of right now. So that, that's with all of us doing all these great things. Please. Can't, be, can't have it both ways. It can't be we keep doing what they tell us to do, and a lot of people are dying anyway. And, oh, but so many more would have died if we didn't listen to these experts. No, I do not believe that. I do not believe that. And they can keep banning me and throttling me on Facebook as much as they want for all this. They're they're complete sheep that don't think for themselves. Don't look at what's happening around them and come to their own conclusions. Now, much easier to have some idiot go on TV at CNN and act like there's no uh, there's no cost here to this. It's not just about Thanksgiving. It's about the day before the day after Thanksgiving. It's about a government that thinks that it's allowed to tell you to do things. Look at what they're telling. There's no you have no constitutional prohibition to be, I mean, constitutional right, rather, to be able to breathe free, fresh air. You have no right to be able to just breathe. You don't have that right. It's not enumerated in the Constitution. We can take that from you. Well, what about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? How about that? What about the actual underlying foundation for all government action? You're going to tell me that prohibiting my ability to see the people that matter most to me in the world and preventing me from being able to go for a walk outside and breathe fresh air that, that I need to explain to the government why they don't have a right to tell me not to do those things. You know, Molan Labe, gentlemen, this is getting a little bit crazy. It's gone too far. And we need we need a lot more pushback about this, a lot more. Uh, we're just beginning to see it. And, and, you know, this is this guy who went in, went in and, and saying that, that the hospitals are overflowing. Where are these where are these hospitals that that have no ability? Now, I understand they don't have hundreds and hundreds of ICU beds in every hospital. Where are the hospitals where you show up and you and they tell you, sorry, we can't treat you, nor can our neighboring hospital where we have you transferred right now? Where are these hospitals? I'm still waiting. To, they always talk about hospitals overflowing. 15 days to stop the spread was about hospital capacity. And we didn't exceed hospital capacity in April and May when you had uh, far higher rates of death and hospitalization than you have right now. So why would we be exceeding those capacities now? I just think about these things and I know that I'm being lied to. That's all you have to do. You know, they're not telling you the truth. I've, I've been speaking to friends in New York City hospitals and say, hey, are you guys overwhelmed? Yeah, a little bit of an uptake, but it's flu season as well. And so we expected this and they're not over. They're not overwhelmed. It's not that they, they can't handle the influx of patients. In fact, patients come in and stay for a shorter duration of time. They're more likely to get out and get back home and then they're immune. That's what's actually happening in a lot of hospitals here in New York. I can't speak to every hospital in the country, but w- where are the where are the hospitals that cannot give care? Because that's it. That's an urgent. That's an emergency. Right. Oh, my gosh. We need. Remember when we needed the ventilators and we needed 
the uh, Defense Production Act and we needed more people. We needed all these things. Are we back there now or are they just running the same script again to keep you keep you scared? Just wait two weeks. Hospitals will be overwhelmed. Just wait two more weeks. You'll see. And two weeks passes and everything's not what they said it was. We go, wait a second. You guys are wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Two more weeks. The hospitals will be overwhelmed. Fauci is the single worst for this. Play 17. People in those environments still don't believe that this is a problem. They say it's maybe fake news or it's just over-exaggeration or it's some sort of a conspiracy. The data don't lie, Judy. The data are real. And each day they come out from reliable sources. I hate this thing that that they say that people are dying from this and saying that it's a hoax. No one who's dying of a respiratory virus thinks it's a hoax. You know, CNN put some nurse on on TV who said that even as she has patients dying from covid, they're talking about how it's fake news. It's a hoax. What a despicable thing to say. They're not they don't think that the virus isn't real when they have the virus. Come on. Uh, But this is what they do. It's just a way of, of demeaning any opposition. It's a way of demeaning any pushback to these mandates and this craziness that's going on right now. You heard it. Cuomo says six months before you're a critical mass. You know what that means? They want to at least tell you what you can do, whether you can go to the gym, who you can see. Can you go to church? Can you gather and protest of these measures? Not allowed to do that. Six more months, at least of this. I think it'll be more like nine. They, they might start to let up next June or July. That's when that's when you'll you'll really see them finally stop with all the but they'll say get ready for more masks this winter. And oh, and you think that they're not going to try to push these policies against the flu? You got another thing coming, which we don't have a vaccine for, aren't going to and which tens of thousands of people die from every year. All their arguments about covid do apply to the flu. Covid is just on a bigger scale. And if you actually look at the cases and lethality numbers now, It's even closer to the flu uh, than we had anticipated six months ago, meaning that, yes, it's it's more lethal than the flu, but not that much more lethal than the flu. So you think that they're just going to give this up, all this government control, all this mobilization of people to do what they want them to do? I don't think so. I don't think so. When when, when Fauci goes on TV and says things like uh, hospitals everywhere running out of beds and people are calling it fake news. Uh, this guy is just a classic lib bureaucrat. That's what he is. That's his mentality. He can't even help it. It's who he is. You know, he really believes, you know, the system and, you know, the mitigation, you know, you bring it all together. And however, we're going to make sure we don't, you know, have too much of this going on. And, oh, you know, this, this guy, what exactly has been his utility in this process? I'm going to ask you this question. I really want you to think about this. Would we have been much worse off if there was no Fauci constantly going on TV to say, you know, be careful. Don't see people. Wash your hands. You really think the country would have been much worse off? I don't think I don't think it would have made any difference at all. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I, I don't think that his admonitions have done anything for us. If anything, it's just been more annoying and divided us politically because he's so obviously a big lib. But. People don't want to see what's right in front of them, especially when they're brainwashed. It's so hard to break through. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. I have. 
have been told that you can have 15 for a funeral, so people are starting to say it's a funeral for their turkey. So there are ways to get around this. Uh, but seriously, I don't know who elected it, this Karen. You know, I mean, these busybodies think that they can dictate to us everything we do in our life and how we live our lives. Nothing in our country, nothing in our country's history ever indicated that we would live in a world where one person would dictate our all of our behaviors. But even from a practical point of view, if you look at the data on this, the objective evidence is we've been putting more and more mandates on for the last six months. We have now more mandates than we've ever had, including these new ones. And guess what? We have more incidences of COVID positive patients than we've ever had. So there's no indication really that any of these lockdowns or any of these mandates have slowed this down. In fact, I think the Wall Street Journal put it best when they said the virus is insidious. It's largely uh, spreading regardless of human behavior. And really the only thing that's going to slow it down is a vaccine. Yep. There's Senator Rand Paul, also an MD. Notice how you don't hear the media talk about that very often. Senator Rand Paul telling everybody what anyone can plainly see. We're setting a record at this point for cases in places across the country, and we're more locked down than we've ever been, or at least since, what, April? So what are we, what are we to think, that if we weren't doing this, it would be 10 times worse? What if I told you, and see, these are the adult conversations that we're not allowed to have anymore. What if I told you that we could get rid of everything but restrictions on the, the largest mass gatherings, right? So essentially we could say, you know, you can't have more than 100 people indoors somewhere, or I don't know, 200 people indoors somewhere, but everything else, it's you're on your own to make your own decisions. We'll provide PPE and masks for people who want it. If you want to stay home from work, you can, and there'll be funds set aside for that. But all the restrictions went away, and you only had a, what, a, a 10% increase across the board in cases. I think a lot of people would say, yeah, yeah, that's a worthwhile trade. What about 20 percent? What about 30 percent? Oh, maybe, maybe, you know, people start to say, ah, oh, that's, I don't know, you know, or, you know, but I'm just telling you, there is a discussion to be had here. We don't even have it. We don't even have it. And they pretend that even a willingness to have the discussion is evil and wrong. Meanwhile, it's just like I said about cars. You could ban driving and save 20 to 30,000 lives every year. Yet we're not going to do that. Why do we not care about life? No, we know there's a trade off. What the Democrats, what the lockdowners are doing right now is pretending that society does not make trade-offs like this all the time. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. And there's so much disinformation coming out about these crazy court cases that he keeps doing and what's happening in Michigan right now. I mean, it, it, it feels like a, like they're attempting a coup to me, Sonny. I know everybody doesn't want to hear that, but that's what dictators do when they try to say this election isn't real. This, it, this didn't happen. I'm going to change it. Zero self-awareness from Democrats and liberals here about the allegations, the the charges they make. Zero self-awareness about this. None. Let's start with this. Dictators do not go to court. It's not what they do. Dictators just tell the military, hey, uh, go round up my opposition lock them up and i am the i am el presidente forever right that's what dictators do so this notion that having a legal team present arguments before a judge what's happened they 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 have 
a cognitive dissonance here. They, they have contradictions in the very allegations they make. What is the, uh, you know, when you look at this, uh, they keep saying that these court cases are being laughed out of court. But then they also say that this is a horrible threat to democracy. Well, if they're being laughed out of court, if the judges are saying, no, you guys don't prevail on this particular case, which has happened in some instances with the, they're not actually being laughed out of court, but they have not been successful in some of these court cases. And if the Trump legal team's response is, hmm, OK, well, we're going to appeal that and maybe we'll come and bring another and bring another case before the judge. That's called the system. That's called the process. There's nothing about that that's troubling, that undermines it, that's dangerous just not true they can keep saying this stuff all day but it's just not true okay Uh, but they can't help themselves and then also they really think that we're going to forget about what happened in 2016 they really believe that we're not going to remember all the psycho libs running around acting like trump was taking orders from vladimir putin you know i'm not exaggerating that the kremlin was the puppet master for Donald Trump, that he was a Manchurian candidate for Russia, that this is a a time where we had a foreign asset and you had former CIA directors saying this kind of stuff on, of course, CNN and MSNBC in these places. Uh, You had people that we were all supposed to listen to and take seriously. We had the entirety of the mainstream liberal press believing that the president colluded with Russia, was part of some evil plot. And was there evidence for this? Was it true? No. No, there was not. It was not true. Have they ever admitted this? Have they ever come forward and said, you know what? We probably shouldn't have been running around pretending that that's really what was going on. We probably should have been a little bit more honest with our audiences, with the people that were. No. And are they ever going to do that? No, they are not. But we remember We remember that they were full of lies during the Russia collusion nonsense and and that they did not accept the results of the 2016 election. And it wasn't just in rhetorical terms. They did try a coup to use fake evidence and use the security apparatus, use the deep state, which is what they did. The deep state in Turkey is responsible for many coups, right? The Darren Devlet. This is what people think of often as. The you know, they think of it as the original concept of a deep state. There is this military industrial complex of sorts in Turkey that will just step in and say, sorry, this election result will not stand or, you know, we're the government now. They've done it many, many times over the course of the 20th century. That's what a coup looks like. And a coup in the context of Trump, the attempted coup was that there were deep state individuals, Comey, Strzok, Page, Brennan, Clapper. There were people from within the security apparatus who were Democrats and who were partisans who didn't accept the 2016 election and then used fake evidence. This is all a matter of fact now used fake evidence, the dossier, which was a joke and all all full of bull. Remember the the golden showers? I mean, it was just preposterous. The whole thing they used that and then media pressure to get an investigation going. The purpose of the investigation was to remove the president from office. Well, when you have a fake investigation, I'm sorry, a, a, an investigation based on fake evidence, knowingly fake evidence, and you use that as an excuse to bring a Soviet style political persecution prosecution, that's a coup. 
So they tried a coup in 2016 and it didn't work. And now they're telling us that Trump bringing legal challenges and saying that he wants to establish, he wants to make it clear that there was fraud going on here. That's a coup. There was fraud. We all know that. It's just a question of how much and how much can we prove. Those are the outstanding questions. That's what still remains. Uh, but no, we, we have to we have to be told constantly that the president is, is a threat to our sacred democracy. Oh, my gosh. And he's just not genteel enough when he deals with these libs. Play eight. One thing, though, that I believe doesn't deserve a word more. And I don't get what my brothers and sisters in the media keep playing to this. Who cares if Trump concedes? It's not in the law. It's a tradition that gives a nod to decency and disagreement. He's never been about that. He's never been about anything but his own selfish interests, and you know it. Why give him another chance to lie about the election or anything else or everything else? He isn't going to tell his followers to do anything but give him more money for a lost cause and use it maybe even on something else. Less is more from Trump, and I hope you all know that. Do you think that he will go on air and apologize for this statement if and when Trump does concede? Do you, do you think that if we get into December or January and the president gives an official statement, he says, I still believe there was fraud, but I, I will concede that the election results are what they are, which is possible, folks. I got it. I'm telling you the truth. There's there's this. This is actually probable. All right. Let's all be honest about this. We, we, we are the reality people. We're not the. You know, living in a delusion, Russia collusion, people worthy. What's actually happening happening? That's what you know. conservatism at its core has to be rooted in what is true and what's really going on. They're, they're certifying states now there. This process is moving along and we have not seen the knockout punch or even anything close to it from the Trump legal team that could turn this thing around. It could happen. It has not happened. I, I always tell you that I will speak the truth to you and I have to on this issue. And I think you all know it has not happened yet and it may not happen. In which case, Joe Biden will be the president of the United States. But there's also an upside to this. Something I hope you all remember. I hope that we all can rally around here. And even some of the libs on the left are aware of it they're they're understanding it at some level that trumpism as i have told you in fact i wrote an editorial on bucksexton.com weeks ago about this and you should all check out bucksexton.com if you have not already today uh trumpism is absolutely here to stay play three well, I think Trumpism is here to stay, quite frankly. Like you said, um, will be enjoyed. 70, over 70 million people voted for him uh, in spite of the fact that they knew that he was racist and misogynist, uh, transphobic, homophobic. Um, and, and, and so they voted for him anyway. Um, and it just, it just seems to me that, that uh, people's hearts and minds don't change that quickly. And if we stop talking about uh, President Trump, then, you know, I, I'm always fearful that past becomes prologue, right? When you forget about the past, it can happen again and again and again. And I do think that we're seeing uh, someone that is trying to avenge 
you know, Joe Biden's election, um, someone who um, is, is a bankrupt when it comes to morality. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is this could happen again. Someone else could be voted into the presidency that is not as crass as President Trump, that sort of is a little smoother around the edges. If we forget who this person was yeah. in office for four years. Now, there's all the usual Trump's a racist. He's awful. He's a misogynist, all that stuff. Right. He's a racist who got more votes from black and Latino voters in this last election than he did after being president for four years. And then Republicans generally do in presidential elections. But Trumpism is here to stay. That's that's reality. The Trump movement isn't going anywhere. So I'm glad to see that libs. I'm glad to see that libs are recognizing this because otherwise they're going to have some kind of a meltdown when they see that America first and the principles, the ideas uh, that Donald Trump represented, secure borders, better trade deals, looking at American interests as separate and distinct from the interests of the global community, uh, calling out the losers and mediocrities who run the swamp for their own benefit, pretending to care about people when they don't give a damn about them. That's not going anywhere. And I also think that Trump is going to be running effectively a Trump, a Trump movement, largely from Mar-a-Lago. And this is, again, assuming that we don't have that that legal turnabout that could still happen. So there we have it, friends.